Okay, as we start this message, I want you to listen very carefully to this because I think the first part of this is very important that you get, okay? A man asked God how long a million years was to him. And God replied, it's just like a second of time for me, my child. So the man asked a follow-up question. He said, how about a million dollars? And God replied to me, it's like a single penny, my child. So the man thought about that for a moment. And he said, well, Lord, would you give me one of your pennies? And the Lord responded by saying, certainly, my son, just a second. There you go. Just a second. You know, I don't really know if that... For sure, if that's a a positive reaction. But I want us to consider that it takes a positive attitude and optimism to live the kind of life that God wants us to live in these days. And the Bible talks about having a positive attitude regardless of what life throws at us. And life throws us a lot of things each and every day but God wants us to be positive. So I want us to look at, first of all, and by the way, for the, uh, 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 for the, the bullet points, whatever you want to call them, I sent them out. It didn't happen. So this, this, uh, early, well, this morning when I came in, John tried to at least get the scriptures and put, the, put them up on the screen for us. But I want us to look at um, Philippians 4, 12, and 13. Paul said, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yes, we can live our Christian lives in contentment during the good times and the hard times, in plenty and in want because of verse 13. Paul said, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. It, is, it was in God's strength that Paul could not only endure disappointments, but also rejoice that he was in prison. So I want us to look at, at some things that Paul taught us about having a positive attitude regardless of what the life throws at us. And the first one I'm going to look at is be, be confident in your convictions. Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. I believe God is re- Paul is reminding us that conviction comes from a submissive mind. That's followed by action. Action. How are we to live? By our actions. In obedience to our salvation in Jesus Christ. We are responding here out of our obedience 
to our salvation in Jesus Christ. Salvation is all. Salvation says it all. I respond to Christ out of my salvation, what Jesus Christ has done for me. I believe this is what uh, fear and trembling uh, implies, that that we respond to God not out of fear what he's going to do to us, but we respond out of respect. And when we respond out of respect for what God has done for us, what does that do? That, do you ever get warm fuzzies in your own way? When, when you're really in the Spirit, really in God, those warm fuzzies come, that's, that's a part of it. Ask you a question. What is the largest soaring bird in the world? The largest soaring bird in the world. There you go. It's a conda. It's called the Andine conda. And imagine this. The Andine conda has a wingspan of 10 feet. Okay? And it covers... It can, when, it, when it's soaring, when the condors are soaring, they soar up to 100 miles. And this is what I love. They can do this for five hours. Five hours, 100 miles, without flapping their wings. Can you imagine that? Five hours, a hundred miles. How did how do they do that? It's but through the power of wind. It is wind that makes and keeps condors soaring. And I thought about that. I thought, how could I tie that this in? When you think about it, that in our convictions, our convictions are generated through the Word of God. Okay? Through the Word of God. And then, the Holy Spirit, just through the wind of the Holy Spirit, uh, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the wind. The wind of the Holy Spirit enables us to live and to soar for God. Amen? To me, that is just remarkable to see to see what God is doing and how we can soar with him. It's allowing God, according to Paul, to, to work in and through us to accomplish his purposes. So a, a, a church or people without the Spirit empowering them and working through them, we call those people in churches dead. I've been in, unfortunately, in many of dead churches where you walk in and you don't feel anything. It's just gloom and doom or whatever. It's all, we follow all the do's and don'ts. We cannot be spontaneous because, because we're not, we're supposed to follow the order. You know, I was, I was, I ministered in a church that it was a church of high liturgy. And boy, what a difference that is if you're in that with high liturgy and our, I'm not saying we're the best. I'm just saying there's a big difference there. You have to, Leave room for the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit. 
not only in church, but also in our individual lives. That is so, to soar like the eagle, you know, we soar as the Holy Spirit moves and empowers us. We cannot do it. We cannot move without the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. Amen? Be confident, number two, of God's love for you. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, for, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul mentions several things that cannot separate us from God's love. I mean, he pretty much mentions everything. Evil, wife, the devil, angels, demons. He goes on and on and on. However, verse 37 says it all to me, and we're going to be talking about uh, more about verse uh, 37 next week. That we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. All of us experience some heartbreak and instability in our lives. I look at this world. Do you think this world is stable? Do you think our country is stable right now? Do we have problems? We always have problems. But I know in my lifetime, I've never seen it like it is today. Never, I never dreamed we'd be in this position where we are today. There's so much instability, not only in our government, in our homes, our families, and our jobs. It's just that instability is everywhere that we're dealing with. And Christian persecution is ramping up. It's on the rise. And we're going to see more and more and more of that as we go along. You cannot be in a society, listen to this, you cannot be in, in a society where, and I've heard this even from some Christians, they'll say, I'm a Christian. Why are you a Christian? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. Christianity 101. You're right. But then hear what they add to that. But if you're, can I say it? If you're a Muslim, if you're Hindu, if you're of this religion or that religion, that's okay too, as long as you're sincere. Because there's more than one path to God. How can a Christian say that? It doesn't add up. Not if you believe in the word of God. But what's happening in our society today with the apostate understanding of the faith, we're getting more and more of this. More churches and more churches are proclaiming this kind of theology that Jesus is not the only way. That's wrong. And I'll do respect. That's wrong. That's bad theology. And I'm just saying, pastors that are preaching this need to be aware. I'm not going to judge anyone, but God is listening. God is listening. And we just need to be very, very cautious. What God are we preaching? The one true God? 
Are we, or are we preaching a multitude of gods as we've seen in the Old Testament? See what I'm saying? That make any sense to you? So you know, I just wanted to you know, share that with you that nothing can separate us from God's love. That was Paul's point here. No matter what you're going through, no matter what it is, nothing can separate you from God's love. So this world can blow up, but nothing can separate you from God's love. And I don't want to get on, I got to, boy, I don't know. I'm just saying that, that I've heard some crazy things happening in the name of Christ in, in our world. Where they, we're in the end times. So we're in the end times, and if I offend you, I ask your forgiveness, but I just want you to see something. And I have a daughter that's into this. And we've had talks about this. Save your food, store it away, you know, get your guns, because when the end times come, there's going to be a lot of persecution. Well, guess what? Think of this logically. If that's the case, you store all your food and you have your, your guns, somebody to come to your house and try to rob you of that food. And so what are you going to do? Boom, boom. You're going to try to shoot them. Right? Really? Bible talks very clearly. When Jesus talked about the end times, he said, what? Be prepared spiritually. Jesus said, I'm in control. I'm not planning on, on, on hoarding two cans of beans in the end times. I'm trusting the Lord. I'm trusting that he's going to provide for my needs because he told me in his word, I'm going to stand on his word, not what some people are saying that we should do. When, when you hear all these things about the end times, my brothers and sisters, we need to look at the word of God and, say, and, and confirm it. Is this what the word of God is really saying? If it isn't, it's somebody's thoughts. That's my concern today for what I see what's happening when it comes to the end times. Maybe we should do another a sermon series on the signs of the end times because I'm, I'm seeing some crazy things on the internet that just don't line up with the word of God. We have to be careful that we don't put our bias into these things and stick to the word of God. Stick to the basics. Amen? I don't know if I'm getting through. Jen's getting worried. You know, stick to the basics. To me, that is so, so important that we do that. So, yes, I am concerned. Romans 15, 12, and 13. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse, the root of Jesse refers to Jesus who comes from the very line of Jesse. Who was Jesse? That was David, King David's father. Will spring up. One who will rise to rule over the nations. The, the Gentiles will, will hope in him. Now listen to this. I call this the great benediction, the great blessing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 13, Paul talks about joy, peace, and hope. Do you have joy, peace, and hope in your life right now? Even in your struggles are you finding joy, peace, and hope? 
It is so important that we understand this. It's so important that we understand that we need joy, peace, and hope regardless of what we are going through. That's Holy Spirit. That's God doing something in us that we cannot do by ourselves. I cannot manufacture joy, peace, or hope. And you cannot manufacture it either. It was wonderful on our vacation. I had the opportunity. I haven't seen my brother in, in a year. And so they're snowbirds. They go to Florida two, three months out of the, out of the year. And he's always wanted us to come down for a week. And uh, so we started this tradition really for us last year. We spent a week with them, and we did again this year. We spent a week with them. And as usual, when two brothers get together, we did a variety of things. But then the last night said, we, leave, we left uh, last Sunday. Uh, it was Saturday night, and our wives went to bed. And we, we decided this is a time just to kind of have fellowship one-on-one and just to share. It was great to share with my brother and... It always seems to be with us or whatever. Maybe it is with you. We all have our problems in life. We all have our own domestic issues that we're dealing with. So I'm not saying that mine are any greater than yours or yours mine. I'm just saying we do. And my brother started the conversation at that point. He wanted to talk about when we were kids growing up. you know. And as I listened to my, my brother talk... All the bad things were coming out. All the, the uh, unfortunate things that, went, that we went through, experienced. He started sharing. I could see it in his face as well. That after all these years, it still sometimes it becomes fresh. It becomes fresh. And as we're sharing, then of course, I start thinking about, because even as siblings, we have a different path that we, that we travel in our experience, in our emotions. And so we're going back and forth sharing, you know what, I remember this, and man, I remember that, and, uh, and so on and so forth. And I remember, stick with me with this, now I'm going to vault into uh, our er- my early married life, ours. <laughs> and Jan never knew a lot of this, uh, about my background, and I never realized it, but there were moments that I never realized she was observing. There are moments when I would just shut down. I'd be sad and depressed. And Jan, it caught her, and she said, Is, did I do something wrong? No, 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 you didn't do anything wrong. You know, and it took her, she had to prime me, what's going on? Why? She said, I've noticed that you can be, you can be happy and and I had everything to be happy about. I loved my wife, and, and the job was good. Everything was great. But then, it's like when I, when I had my own thoughts, they would come back and they'd haunt me. I'd have flashbacks on you know, how to deal with that, and so on and so forth. And I really, I really thought I could get over that as an adult. I tried really hard. I really tried on my own to overcome some of those experiences. You know, when I was nine years old, yeah, when I was nine years old, 
I saw things done to my 13-year-old sister that he could not repeat. And I remember in that moment walking away, I had no clue. I knew it was wrong. I didn't know what to do with it. I did not know how to, how to really process it in my mind. I ran from that. And I didn't even know why I was running. All I knew it was wrong. That stuck with me. In the back of my mind, as time progressed, it stuck with me. I was so, I was so thirsty for happiness in my life. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. That's not my point. I'm coming to my point. But that's how I felt. I wanted happiness. Then I met this woman. Well, she was 18. You know. But anyway. And right then and there, life was different for me. That was my beginning. But I still could not, I could not help myself overcome my sadness. I couldn't. But when Jesus Christ came into my life, knowing that he died on the cross because he loved me unconditionally, that is when I experienced hope, peace, and joy. That I so, so hungered for. That doesn't mean what I just shared that everything is fine and dandy because I'd be lying to you. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're a pre- I don't care who you are, how successful you think you are. You have problems. And sometimes those problems will come back to you. But the difference that I've experienced in my issues is they don't last long. God says, here, there's something else you need to deal with. Then he helps me deal with it. Then he takes it away from me, all that pain, that sadness. See what I'm saying? Christ can transform you through his Holy Spirit. That's what he does. Amen? He not only gave me that peace, but he also gave me both a temporal and eternal perspective. Friends, no matter what you are going through, no matter what past whatever that, that you're thinking about, God can help you process that and get you through it. He can do that. Number three. Be confident in fulfilling your life God's way. From 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 8. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord The righteous judge will award me on the day, on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. 
Paul, like Paul, our task is to fight the good fight by seeking God's will. When we seek God's will, it's not enough to seek it in our heads. We need to put it into action. That is so important for us to understand that. You know, uh, this includes our hardships. I'm talking, you know, whatever your hardships are, or, your, or you reflect on your regrets. So all of us have regrets, don't we? We all have regrets, hardships along the way. But God helps us to deal with them, you know, for his glory. All right. On a more of an upbeat note. How many of you remember the uh, James Bond movies? Pretty much all of us do. James Bond, he had all these movies. He was 007, right? James Bond is 007. And so through the Bond movies, he became a very popular, famous actor. And so this one film company, they were going to put together a film... And they asked Sean Connery if he would take the leading role in this movie. Also, to, to sweeten the pot a little bit, they said to Sean Connery, they said, we will give you 15% of the, of the world's box office receipts. That's money in the bank. What did he do? He declined. The, name, the movie was The Lord of the Rings. And he lost, you know, potentially $400 million was coming his way. He had big, big regrets about that. You know, I suppose for my sector, yeah, of course, wouldn't you? I would. But listen, Paul... The Apostle Paul had no regrets as he faced eternity. He had been a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, and he was looking forward to his eternal rewards. What motivated Paul through his life? Verse 7. Verse 7. Read it. He kept the faith, his love for Christ. Time moves so fast, like dust in the wind, doesn't it? As we get older and older, imagine your kids when they were, you know, the girls, when they were two, three years old. You look at them now, they're growing up. Isn't that true? And our kids are been out. We have grandkids, and they are Growing up. See, life, this life will not last forever. We know that. However, every true believer in Jesus Christ, we are in a win-win situation. John, could you play something for me, please? We are in a win-win situation. One little verse in closing. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
Paul believed to live is to serve as Jesus Christ served and to die is gain, meaning that one day, one day he would be set free from all the pain and restrictions of this world. And he would meet Jesus Christ face to face. Friends, God, I believe God is preparing you. Let's make it, take this personal. God is preparing you for this great extravaganza. Each step that you take in faith, in obedience, the Bible tells us that He, Jesus, is with you. So think positive. Be confident. Your future, my brother and sister in Christ, is bright. Enjoy your journey along the way for your, for your end will be met with unspeakable joy, fulfillment, and rewards. Think about that. We're all on the journey right now. We have everything to be thankful for in, in, even in the midst of our hardships because we know that Christ is there. We know that in Him we can do all things. We know that in Him we can become overcomers. We know this because we have the power of the Spirit of God working in and through us. Amen? I'm leaving you with this thought. Live your life. Live it today. Live it to the fullest. Enjoy your vacation. Enjoy your family. Enjoy just living life. The other stuff is coming for you. But your situation is this. God will give you fulfillment now. In Him, it's all about obedience. Live your life, and one day, one day, you will meet Jesus Christ face to face. And He's not going to slap you on the wrist. He's not going to say, shame on you, Jan, you should have done this, you should have done that. No, 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 no. You're going to meet Him face to face. And you're going to experience a love that you never thought could be possible. As much as you love your family, consider this. Jesus loves them even more. That's big love, isn't it? That, my friends, for you, will be the greatest extravaganza. The greatest extravaganza. You have him now, but you're going to see him face to face one day. Man. And you know what? You know what? When that happens, see, we're going to be in a timeless presence. So you're going to have all this time, all this time, and you have opportunities to say to Jesus, hey, why did this happen? Why, why did that happen? He can answer, you know, there are questions we all have on this side of heaven. We'll never, they'll never be answered. But Christ has the answers. God is good. Lord, I praise you and thank you so much for our time together. I thank you, Jesus, that as we draw near to you, Lord, 
that your power of your spirit will just fill us and encourage us, Lord, where we need to be encouraged. Lord, I pray that you fill us with your peace, your hope, and your joy. And when our moments come, when we have flashbacks of our lives, Lord, that we do not have to stay there. For you are the great healer. Heal us, Lord, in all of our hardships, all of our pain, Lord. I want you to heal my brothers and sisters, Lord. For those who are just struggling, Lord, with whatever it is, I don't know, but you do. Lord, that you will minister to their hearts, that you'll fill them with your joy, that they may feel your power and your presence. Transform them, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.